Welcome to the Queer History Podcast. I'm Dylan. And I'm Dakota. And today we're going to be talking about Frida Kahlo. Frida Kahlo was born in 1907 in Casa Azul in Cohen, Mexico City, Mexico. Her full name was Magdalena Carmen Frida Kahlo y Calderon. She was born in her home called Casa Azul, where she would continue to live on and off for her entire life. Did you take Spanish? No. I, I did, did not, not take Spanish not either. She later claimed to have been born in 1910, perhaps to make herself seem younger or perhaps out of a patriotic solidarity since the Mexican Revolution began in 1910. Frito Kahlo was of mixed European and Indian descent, which is why she had the German first name Frida. Her mother, Matilda, was mostly Indian and a devout Catholic. Frida remembered her mother being very depressed in her early years, saying my mother was hysterical with dissatisfaction because she was not in love with my father. My mother arrived at hysteria through religion. Her father was a German immigrant named Wilhelm, which he changed to Guillermo after immigrating to Mexico. He was a photographer and the family was financially well off. Guillermo and Matilde had four children together, all daughters, Matilde, Adriana, Frida, and Christina. Frida was Guillermo's favorite child, and he described her as, quote, the most intelligent of his daughters, and that she was the most like him. When she was six years old, Frida contracted polio. For nine months, she couldn't leave her bed. This would be the first of many medical confinements throughout her life. After her bout of polio, she walked with a limp. Because of this, Guillermo pushed her to do sports like boxing, wrestling, and swimming. She enjoyed these activities, which were traditionally only for boys, and she even began frequently dressing as a boy. There's this picture of Frida with her family dressed in a suit. I saw that when I was in college, and I was like, I need to know everything about this painter, and became a little obsessed. <laughs> I just thought, she looks so cool. Oh my gosh, she looks very handsome. <laughs> Throughout her childhood was the Mexican Revolution. The tension between the extreme rich upper class, who were often European colonials, and the extreme poor grew until fighting broke out in 1910. The president of Mexico, Porfirio Diaz, was overthrown early in the revolution, but the war lasted a decade with a death toll over a million. Um, and also for this uh, biography, I had a hard time deciding whether or not to call Frida Kahlo by her first name or last name. Because when we talk about men, we often talk about them like Whitman, Turing, Rustin. When I'm reading about them, it often is like, Whitman did this, Whitman did that. No one ever calls him like Walt. Yeah. But when I was reading about Frida Kahlo, they called her Frida, and that's how I think of her. And I wonder if that's um, treating women less seriously than men. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I defaulted to... for. Josephine Baker and Frida Kahlo, I defaulted to going by their first name. I like it. I don't want it to be like all women we go first name and all men last name. But yeah, I, this one I think we will go with first name. Before the Mexican Revolution, European styles and traditions were widespread. But after the revolution, there was a desire for culture that was uniquely Mexican. When Frida was 15... Her school, the Distinguished National Preparatory School, 
hired celebrated artist Diego Rivera to paint a mural. Diego was already a famous artist, a staunch communist, who wanted to be paid by the squared meter, to be more akin to how laborers are paid. During the revolution, Diego was in Paris. He spent time with European artists, including Picasso, and painted in a mostly Cubist style. He returned to Mexico at the end of the revolution. He quickly became a prominent painter in Mexico, and his style became less European and more distinctly Mexican. He was also middle-aged, famously unattractive, and married. He's not the best-looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, before um, before we get too far into it, I just want to make it clear that I, while I admire Diego Rivera as a painter, I don't see what Frida saw in him. Yeah. So with yeah, that. it's a bummer. And it seems like he caused her so much grief. But that, I guess, is um, giving giving away a lot of the future. Let's see. Frida quickly became interested in Diego. She would spend large amounts of time with him as he painted his mural. She would joke about the women he was having affairs with and models that were always around him. She even acted flirtatious with him in front of his wife. And this is such obvious foreshadowing that I wish I could go back in time and just tell her to leave him alone and give her a warning. <laughs> uh. While at the National Preparatory School, Frida joined a group of intellectual students, mostly boys, called the Cachuchas. Frida was particularly close to one, Alejandro Gomez Arias. In 1925, when Frida was 16 years old, she and Alejandro were riding together on the bus. They crashed into a streetcar. The streetcar decimated the bus, leaving many people injured and lying in the street. One of these people was Frida, who had been completely impaled by a handrail, which went through one end of her abdomen and out the other. There's a vivid but gruesome description of her immediately after the accident. The pole was still lodged in her abdomen. Her clothes had been ripped from her body in the crash, and gold powder that was being transported by a worker was spilled across her body and stuck to her blood. One of the men nearby pulled the handrail from her body, and she was moved. Her injury was so severe that rescue workers ignored her in favor of other passengers who they thought were more likely to survive. It was only when Alejandro pleaded with them that they helped her. Her collarbone, ribs, leg, pelvis, and spine were each broken in multiple spots. This part, I don't know, did you end up seeing the uh, Frida movie? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that this part in the movie, they they show the the gold across her, and it just, it, it seemed morbid in the way that Frida often painted. And I, I thought it was actually depicted well and horrifying. Um, so I thought the movie was really, really great. Really helped me get my mind around her life, I think. After the accident, she stayed in the hospital for weeks. At first, the doctors thought it was unlikely that she would survive, though slowly it became clear that she would live, however, never fully recover. During her long recovery, she began to paint, painting her first of many self-portraits. In 1928, when Frida was 21, she was again able to move freely. She became involved in the liberal, communist, artistic culture of Mexico City. 
which was in stark contrast with the earlier conservative colonial culture that had dominated Mexico before the revolution, which had dominated Mexico before the revolution. She lived freely, having many romantic entanglements and becoming deeply involved in the communist community. At a party, she again met Diego Rivera. She said she noticed him when Diego pulled out a gun and shot a phonograph. Charming. Yeah. Like, what a guy. <laughs> Frida found him again later while he was painting and showed him her own paintings. Diego was sincerely impressed at her paintings and encouraged her to continue painting more. They quickly began a romantic relationship. He was 41, she just 21. There must have been something very charismatic about him, and he did very well with women, so. Which is so weird to me if you look at pictures yeah. of him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Soon after their meeting, Diego asked Frida's father, Guillermo, for permission to marry her. Guillermo agreed. His photography job had been growing less lucrative, and he was struggling to cover Frida's medical bills. He said to Diego, quote, Notice that my daughter is a sick person. All her life she will be sick. She is intelligent, but not pretty. Think it over, and if you wish to get married, I will give you my permission. Frida described her mother's anger over her engagement, saying, quote, She said it was the marriage between an elephant and a dove. Which I totally agree with. Like... That's poetic. Her mother, that's almost beautifully put. They were married in August 1929. Frida wore traditional Mexican clothes to the wedding. Friends described how devoted she was to him, saying that she, quote, treated him like a god and that he was kind to her. However, he quickly resumed his habit and within a year was having an affair. Frida was devastated. Simultaneously, she had become pregnant, but because of medical problems, was required to have an abortion for her own safety. This failed pregnancy threw Frida into a deep depression. She spent this time painting to distract herself, not thinking she would become famous in her own right. She also accompanied Diego while he was painting his murals, often painting beside him. Her own paintings were very small, often less than a foot, which was in contrast to his huge murals. I think it's pretty interesting and, and nice to see how intimate and small her work is. And it's also so personal, often about her and her own life. And to understand it, you need to understand about her and know facts about her. Whereas his was for a whole country and it was so broad and so symbolic. And hers was not... Not, almost not symbolic at all. It was very specific. Yeah. I just really like the difference. In the 1930s, there was a rise in conservatism around the country, as well as in Europe and the world, where there was a swiftly growing fascist movement. They were lashing back at the liberals and communists who had lived so openly since the Mexican Revolution. Communists were now being attacked and sent to jail. It became a very dangerous climate for, for Diego and Frida. Because of this, Diego leapt at the chance to paint murals in the United States. Diego thought that his communist work was greatly needed in capitalist America. Frida accompanied him to San Francisco. This was her first time out of Mexico, and it was a culture shock for Frida. She enjoyed the beauty of the San Francisco coast, but did not like the Americans. Then they left for New York City. Diego's work was being exhibited in the MoMA. 
the Museum of Modern Art. Frida liked New York more than San Francisco and began to grow more comfortable for American culture. She spent time with many prominent Americans, including the Marx Brothers and Henry Ford, the man who revolutionized the car industry in Detroit. It's rumored she purposely embarrassed Henry Ford, who is famous for being anti-Semitic, by pretending to <laughs> innocently ask him if he was Jewish. Yeah. Which I love, which is so good. She also became friendly with American painter Georgia O'Keeffe and flirted with her in front of Diego. Diego was accepting of Frida's relationships with women, not seeing them as a threat to their marriage. He would also continue to have affairs with women, and Frida would often befriend these women and sometimes have sexual relationships with them as well. Um, I liked that part a lot in the movie. <laughs> Like, for non-artistic or professional reasons, <laughs> that part, that, do you remember that scene in the diner? It was pretty nice. Yeah, it's like, she just, <laughs> it was interesting, like, how she just, um, it just, like, it just showed up in the movie, too. Like, I didn't expect it. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, and um, I have, uh, how do I say this? I'm, like, a fan of Salma Hayek, as in... Like, I really like Salma Hayek. <laughs> I think she's extremely dreamy. Yeah. And so watching her in this role was amazing. I had a really good time no, <laughs> watching it. Totally. <laughs> uh. um, well, in the United States, Frida again became pregnant. She, she and her doctors were more confident with this pregnancy, thinking she could have the baby by C-section. However, while she was in Detroit... Michigan, she again miscarried and almost died herself. While recovering in the hospital, she drew and painted her feelings about the miscarriage. The paintings were extremely intimate and graphic, showing the wrenching pain of her emotions. They really are, like, intense. Like, like yeah. a floating fetus. She is. And her clearly in like a hospital bed and they're all connected with umbilical cords. It's pretty yeah. upsetting yeah. to look at. And uh, there's the one entitled My Birth and it shows her being born and her mother's face is just completely covered. And uh, it, it looks like they're both people are dead in the painting. It's very difficult to look at. Yeah. After four years in the United States, Frida could no longer stand her homesickness. Diego did not want to leave, enjoying his status in America, but they were running out of money, so they returned to Mexico. Diego was bored and angry to be back in Mexico, and he took out his frustrations on Frida. He began to have an affair with Frida's sister, Christina. Frida loved her sister deeply and felt horribly betrayed by both of them. Diego loved Frida's long hair and her traditional Mexican clothing, so Frida cut off her hair and changed to Western clothes. She moved to an apartment alone. She felt as if she had wasted years of her life supporting him and not developing herself. Diego is such a terrible person to Frida. Like, I, like so many choices of women and her sister. Ugh. I feel like that's a common feeling during divorces or breakups when you've put so much energy into another person and you've been especially a lot of times women are the supportive role and they're supporting the 
male partner and not themselves. And then they find themselves after however many years alone and all of that investment is just gone. It's so terrifying to me to think about. Yeah. Frida began to have her own affairs, both men and women. One of her affairs was with the famous Japanese-American artist and architect, Isamu Noguchi, who had created art for UNESCO headquarters, the Hiroshima Peace Memorial, and public art all over the United States. Noguchi and Frida were once caught together in bed by a gun-wielding Diego, and Noguchi had to escape out a window, climb up a tree, and onto the roof to escape from Diego. People were scandalized by her behavior, though not Diego's, since such actions were expected of men. But even though she was having deep and supportive relationships with many people, she was always thinking of Diego and how she missed him. She decided to move back in with Diego and resign herself to the fact that he would always have affairs. Diego had a house built for them. It was made of two buildings. Diego lived in a large pink building Frida in a smaller blue, and between the buildings was a small bridge. Frida could lock up her home from her side of the bridge. I do have to say, that sounds really nice to me. I love that idea of having my own home next to my partner that can just be my own space. I really like that. (laughs) It's a really cool home, too, if you look up pictures of it. Yeah, like, do you want to describe it for the listeners? Yeah, like, and it's, because uh, they're, like, these two very, like, square buildings, and then there's just, just the cement bridge going between them. It kind of reminds me of SAIC uh, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, oh, yeah. Actually. Our college that we like, went to together. Like the school you yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, it has a little, um, yeah. I like that outer staircase, and just, it. it's really pretty. The country had begun to calm politically, with leftists and communists feeling relatively safe. Excited communists began to gather at Diego and Frida's home to talk about the future. Soviet leader Leon Trotsky was exiled from the Soviet Union by Stalin in the late 1920s. Diego used his connections to allow Trotsky and his wife asylum in Mexico, and they came to Frida and Diego's home to live with them. They stayed there for two years under close supervision. Frida was full of admiration for Trotsky, and they quickly began a short affair which ended quickly when Frida found her hero disappointing as a romantic partner. Which is really funny. <laughs> yeah, just when you meet your heroes, it's always disappointing. Yeah, like this Russian revolutionary, and she's like, eh, not so good. <laughs> yeah, and when you have sex with your heroes, it's often disappointing, I bet, too. Yeah. Especially when you admire your heroes for their ideas, not their... Uh, sexual prowess i would say and i feel like you would always think about them too after that like when you would think about their ideas like i don't know (laughs) you know unless they're really hot and then you're like okay i respect you more and your ideas are even better (laughs) because you look great (laughs) all the time (laughs) and you don't make any weird faces (laughs) in 1938 frida submitted some of her paintings to a show in mexico city Critics were impressed by how different her art was from the typical Mexican art of the time. The contemporary vogue for Mexican art was to paint nationalistic paintings that depicted history, were deeply political and moving on a grand, heroic scale. 
Frida's paintings were small and intimate. Her symbols and themes were specific, and instead of national heroism and victory, showed personal suffering and grief. She began to be noticed and celebrated by groups such as the Surrealists, which included artists like Salvador Dali and René Magritte. They were amazed that she could paint such dreamlike images without any Surrealist influence, and only from her own mind. But she rejected the title of Surrealist, saying that she was not painting dreams, but her own personal reality. It was good timing for her because even if she didn't want to be seen as a Surrealist, the fact that other people saw her that way is part of what intrigued them and what made her so popular and able to be popular in her lifetime. And her paintings just look very surrealist, but with like different, like more industrialized backgrounds. Yeah, it definitely has a really strong Mexican influence. Definitely not as European. It doesn't look like she trained in Europe, like most of the artists at the time, most of the famous artists at the time. And I just think it's really interesting the way she painted and depicted physical pain. I feel like that's not a very common thing for artists to be so fascinated by. Like they, a lot of times it's like emotional pain or spiritual um, feelings. And she, she talked or she depicted that as well. But a lot of it was about physical pain, which is such a universal thing. They look really intense too. Like the, the one with the, um, like the broken column as her spine. Uh, yeah. It's, it's intense. And it's such a important human experience that it's surprising that there isn't more about it. Uh, Frida Kahlo was invited to show her work in New York by a surrealist art dealer, Julian Levy. She was treated as an artist separate from Diego. In part because of the interest in surrealism, people were fascinated by her work. She quickly sold many of her paintings. She was invited to Paris by a French artist, often considered the founder of Surrealism, for another show, though this one was delayed for months while her paintings were held by customs. Frida was disgusted by the pretentiousness of French artists and art culture, and she became extremely homesick, and her old injuries from the bus accident began to cause her great pain again. Frida ended up in the hospital, and during her recovery, Breton's wife, Jacqueline Lamba, offered to care for her. Lamba was a painter herself, and her and Frida became close friends, and over the course of Frida's recovery, began to have an affair. After several months, Marcel Duchamp got a hold of Frida's paintings and organized a show for her. Again, her show brought her to the public eye. She became friends with Pablo Picasso, and the Louvre brought one of her paintings, The Frame, a self-portrait surrounded by flowers. It was the first painting by a modern Mexican artist in the Louvre. After her success in Paris, she returned in 1939 to Mexico. She was now successful, independent from Diego. She was disappointed to see that Diego did not miss her in her absence, the way she had missed him, and he was not impressed by the new independent Frida. She moved out of their shared house back to Casa Azul, where she was born. The two divorced soon after. She cut her hair again and began to dress in more Western clothes. She began to paint one of her most famous paintings, The Two Fridas, which depicts two Fridas holding hands. She also created a painting titled Two Nudes in a Forest, which shows two naked women lying against each other. It was a gift for her close friend and likely lover, Mexican movie star Dolores Del Rio. 
Two nudes in a forest show two women. One of them is lying on the other one's lap and they're in the forest and a monkey is looking at the two women, which I read a uh, description saying that possibly the monkey is a symbol of sin and maybe in her mind there's a sinful relationship happening between these two women. Although it could just be one of the monkeys that actually was her pet. It's just an interesting painting. Yeah, it's it's cool that it was like, it's like this famous painting from that time, but it shows like basically an LGBTQ relationship. Mm-hmm. And it was given to a famous star who she likely was having an affair with. Pretty cool. Frida became very sick and doctors thought they needed to operate on her spine. She was on bed rests for months. Diego was in San Francisco painting a mural. When he heard that she was sick, he became worried and told Frida he wanted to marry her again. Frida went to San Francisco to meet a new doctor as well as Diego. She did not agree to marry him at once, instead spending time with him as well as other men. However, she did eventually agree to remarry him, and they had their wedding in San Francisco on his 54th birthday before moving back to Mexico. Frida was soon offered a job teaching at the art school La Esmeralda. She had difficulty getting to the school and instead had students come to her home. She had a small group of loyal students called Los Fridos. During this time, Jacqueline Lamba, the woman Frida had an affair with in Paris, stayed with Frida in her home and the students reported often seeing her walking around the Casa Azul completely naked. It's wild, the idea of having Frida Kahlo as your art teacher. (laughs) Yeah. And I saw an interview with one of these students, and they seemed so enamored of her and just so loyal to her, and to the fact that they would, like, travel pretty far every day to have her her teach. And they just said, like, she was the biggest influence on us. Wow. And... Also, I would love to go to my cool female teacher's house and she just has like a naked woman walking around like yeah. no big deal. <laughs> like what? Like, pretty exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I, absolutely. You are a big influence on me. I want to be just like you. <laughs> Though she was now a celebrated artist and seemed to have found a comfortable compromise in her marriage to Diego, Frida's health was really beginning to decline. She spent much of her time in the hospital where she developed an addiction to painkillers needed a wheelchair to move around, and, and to walk or stand, she needed to wear supportive plaster corsets. She painted her, her corsets elaborately with communist symbols or plants and wildlife. Many of the corsets are still around today. Frida had one last show in Mexico during her life. She was so weak that she was driven in by an ambulance and lay on a bed in the gallery as people came to greet and congratulate her. But the show was a huge success and cemented her place as one of the world's most original and important artists. After her show, a large part of Frida's right leg needed to be amputated. This threw Frida into one of her deepest depressions. She painted her last painting, A Still Life of Watermelons, just days before she died. Frida died in July of 1954. She was 47 years old in the house she was born, Casa Azul. Diego lived for three more years. He remarried later to Emma Hurtado, his art dealer. Frida said of her impending death, I hope the leaving is joyful, and I hope I never return. So that's Frida Kahlo. 
yeah. Mm. The movie made me just like bummed out, like that she followed this guy all her her life, and he was just such a jerk. I know. I wonder what her life would have been like without him, and if she would have been the same person, if she still would have been a great artist, or a would she be unknown? Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, maybe she would have been happier, but unknown. Maybe her life would have been almost the same. Maybe we're giving too much credit to Diego, but I feel like she might have been happier without him. Yeah, really. Hmm. Or, yeah. Um, I remember when I was uh, 16, before I went to the Art Institute of Chicago and met you, <laughs> Um, I went to another school in California and there was a Frida Kahlo exhibit and I was just like 17, but I got to see a lot of these paintings in real life and it was just very exciting for me and uh, just, you know, 17 in a new city and walking around like an art gallery by myself. Ever since then, I was a huge fan of her art. Yeah, I really like her work too. Like, um, it, just, I, it feels really modern to me versus like other older artworks that I see and and it just, it's just so deeply personal to her too yeah definitely people now and in, in contemporary people definitely connect with her art uh, much more than other artists I think maybe the the fact that she references herself so much and now with people you know with selfie culture and people recording their life it's nice to see someone else doing that in the past and doing it in a very beautiful way yeah Thanks for listening to the Queer History Podcast. You can find us at Tumblr at thequeerhistorypodcast.tumblr.com or on Twitter at QueerHistoryPod. For suggestions on future podcast subjects, you can email us at thequeerhistorypodcast at gmail.com. We would appreciate it if you would rate and review and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Music is by Liv Slingerland. Oh, no, I'm trying.